sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. shine sports investors it is another beautiful day in the neighborhood monday december 14th let's cock a doodle do it this is the early line giving you the edge right here on sports grid i'm dane martinez the spitting statistician and as always i got my main man kevin walsh burning the candle at both ends trying to give you all the information you need to make it a profitable day and we fundamentally put the fun and functional sports content so get with us all the time and kev week 14 was a doozy all right there are some divisions that got tighter There are some divisions where the leader got a little bit of breathing room. There were some injuries to discuss, some absolutely MVP-like performances, and there was a ton of home dogs, and some of them came in. Kev, what did you take as kind of the headline story from week 14? You know, I mean, you're an Eagles fan after all. (laughs) Uh, So non-Jalen Hurts-related news, and aside from the Eagles on their way to win a Super Bowl, I just think the shakeups throughout all of these playoff pictures, and I think this week specifically at the top, for somebody mm. who months ago said that they were going to roll with Green Bay and someone who's also basically said the Chiefs and everybody else is playing for second place, those two teams now leave this week with the first round by, I think it's more important for Green Bay than Kansas City. But it's somebody who's kind of been positioned on those two teams, pot, you know, meeting in the Super Bowl, them having the bye, especially Green Bay, is huge. And all of the things that led to those teams getting into that position, the teams that lost, I mean, it was a really, really big week, really big week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about the top of the playoff picture. I think at the bottom of the playoff picture, especially in the NFC, right? We had some moving and shaking as well. I remember weeks, Kev, where we looked at AFC wildcard contenders and looked at their schedules and how it would go down. And that's where we think the Baltimore Ravens, who play tonight, still have kind of a leg up. But in the NFC, you know, think about it. That bottom wildcard has flipped from Minnesota to Arizona back and forth. The NFC East has flipped from the Giants to the Washington football team and there's a whole bunch of other teams that kind of are still in the fray and we will talk about all of them but you're right let's talk at the top the very top of the AFC is Kansas City but these two teams are threatening to be that number two seed and let's talk about it the Buffalo Bills at home on Sunday night football get a win the Steelers have now lost two games in a row the Bills only with two losses they are right there and remember this is a team that lost via hail mary one of their games that's why i say the two losses their third was in fact via hail mary stefan can you dig it reassumes the lead of catches in the nfl the first to 100 catches this year he gets 10 for 130 and a touchdown the Bills score a defensive touchdown which really flipped it at the end of the first half and josh allen does enough throwing two 
to himself. Chris Collinsworth all over Josh Allen, slurping him for three hours as the Bills get the job done 26-15. You know, Dan, I'll tell you right now, the Pittsburgh Steelers are in some position. Uh, they have gone from 11-0 to where does anybody like this team? As we bring in our radio audience, early line, bringing out all of these games, Kevin Walsh and Dane Martinez. I mean, Dane, when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, come on with this. Now, uh, for a long time, I thought coming into this week, maybe people were a little bit low. This offense stinks. I loved what Collinsworth said going into the half when he, because Big Ben throws this pick six. He goes, this defense right. has to be thinking to themselves, you got to be kidding me. I mean, we just played one of the best defensive halves that anybody's played all yeah. season long. This Buffalo offense did. was high rolling. <laughs> they did. They did. They this did. Buffalo offense was high rolling, right? Doing anything they wanted to the Niners. Steelers held them to three points in that first half. And then Big Ben goes and throws a pick six. I mean, Ben is playing horribly. Your boy James Conner came back and ripped off a clean 10 for 18. Deontay Johnson gets benched. Keeps on Chase dropping him. Claypool yeah. was ineffective. Juju was all right. Juju was all right. I mean, the offense looks horrid. Horrid. Yeah, and they were talking about, you know, kind of not pushing the ball down the field. I think they were talking about it overall also. If you heard uh, Collins, they were talking a lot about how early in the season – they didn't know if Ben's arm could hold up to it, right? So they had that de facto balance when they were feeding Connor and even Benny Snell in week two, right? Then they thought, oh, the great fantasy herd and Big Ben can kind of just pick out his matchups. That's when you saw in the middle of the season, you know, Claypool one week, Ebron one week, Dio one week, James Washington one week, right? But now it's looking like defenses are seeing they're not threatening the ball downfield. They're coming in a little bit more on the Dinkin dunk and stopping the run game on the way i think you are absolutely right i will also say this though kev and this is something i've been mentioning as it's been going on i do believe the pittsburgh steelers defense which was still number one in the league coming into this game they have been getting kind of like death by a thousand cuts via injury right devin bush gone bud dupree gone there are a couple of other ones that uh you know got banged up in this one that is starting to have an effect and is going to continue to affect them as we get into the playoffs and january when they're seeing bigger teams but you're right have they need to figure something out on the offensive side as well they started 11 and 0 and now they have lost two games in a row when we come back we'll talk about the buffalo side of this and just how high can they go vis-a-vis the rest of the afc we'll do that we're off and running right here on the early line SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge, Dane and Kevin. You know, we're talking about Sunday Night Football, the Pittsburgh Steelers drop another one. We're talking about how both on the offensive side of the ball, there has been some regression. Guys are cat not catching balls. Mike Tomlin's talking about it. The run game, you know, they also talked about it in the game 
uh, last night as well. In the first half of the season, the Steelers' run game was doing the job. They had one of those, I don't know if you saw, Kevin, like one of those silly graphics they do on Sunday Night Football all the time. And it was like a steel, Steelers bulldozer going through like brick walls, like in the first mm-hmm. six games of the season. And then in the last five games or whatever it is, you know, that, that bulldozer has been stopped. And that is definitely a big piece of it. You know, I believe the run game is connected to overall success. And I believe they are eroding a little bit on defense as well. You know, eventually when you lose someone like Devin Bush, when you lose someone like Bud Dupree, you start to have an impact. But let's talk about the Bills here, Kev, because the Bills are now, what are they? Oh, I don't know. Are they nine and three, 10 and three? They only have three losses. And when you think about Mm -hmm. it, one was them was via Hail Mary. Right to D hop in a game where Stefan Diggs thought he had a game winning touchdown. Another one was on like a short week against the Kansas City Chiefs, Kev. Right? Mm-hmm. I remember that game. It was like in poor weather, even conditions. And the third was in that crazy COVID game after a week against Tennessee. Right? You know, so you have abnormal situations and then a loss to the Chiefs. That is the Buffalo Bills resume abnormal situations and a loss to the Chiefs. So tell me, Kev, how high is the ceiling for this Buffalo Bills team? If I asked you, if you needed to bet, you know how in soccer there's like draw no bet kind of thing, right? Let's say we did something like that for the AFC, where the Chiefs are a draw and you get your money back, let's say, right? What team in the AFC are you riding with? Non-Chiefs. I think I'm going to be looking at one of those teams in the South. You know that I'm still going to probably buy into Baltimore. I think the Buffalo. Over Buffalo? First of all, yeah, my thing with Buffalo is they don't get any type of pass. for The team that was dealing with abnormal situations was the Titans, who then obliterated Buffalo. And I understand that the Hale Murray was, is not a sustainable way to win games, but two weeks before that, Cam Newton was on his way to go at least tie that game up or score inside the 20 and fumbled. They beat the Jets one game where they only kicked sure. field goals. Like they've had yeah, some Rams games. win. The Rams was very was end also was preposterous, okay. right? So okay. I think those. So you're things, not as big of a believer on Buffalo's resume. No, I just don't like doing this thing that they should be also, you know, twelve and one. Like I, I'm not, I'm not on that. Like they've lost. But that's not the question I'm asking. About, you. Right. I'm asking no, you no, the whole picture of it all. Right. What non-Chiefs team do you like in the AFC? Records be damned. Yeah, and I don't think it'll be Buffalo. I don't think it will be Buffalo. I, I think right now it'll probably, like I said, be a South team, and you also know that I've remained high on Baltimore. But that's not a slight to Buffalo. And I think Buffalo coming out of the bye, I think that's the thing, right? You know, there's a, cl- a clear line there for this team, right, Dane? Like, they hit the bye. They did a nice job against the Chargers defensively. The Niners game was good enough. And then the Steelers won. It's so crazy, but the way Pittsburgh's offense is, it's like, ah, it's Pittsburgh's offense. But I think that's the big thing that we're waiting to see here from Buffalo is do they need MVP Josh Allen to win games? If the answer is no, that's huge. Where they yeah. can, like, hey, Josh, just don't lose the game. Now, because he will still have spots where he can go out there and win you a game, right? That's the, the step that he is taking. He can have huge monster games, throw for 300 yards, you know, three or four total touchdowns. He can have those big monster games. But does the defense get to a point where it is no longer up to Josh Allen to win every football game? Their defense is playing really solid since that bye week. 
Yeah, absolutely. There have been improvements on the defense, and they will need that defense if and when they get to the playoffs because everybody in the AFC will be trying to knock the Kings off the mountain, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs. It's almost like the Chiefs are in playoff mode, though, right, Kev? You know, get down early, but have it not matter, and that is what the case happened against these Miami Dolphins. Patrick Mahomes, though, Kev, threw three interceptions in this one. That is very un-Mahomes-like. You know, we were wondering, could this Dolphins defense that started the week second in the NFL in terms of points allowed, could they hold up? And it looked like they did at the beginning, but ultimately too much Kansas City. Travis Kelsey, another eight catches, 136, and a touchdown. Mahomes got right in the second half. They did, you know, not cover the number, and that makes, I believe, four weeks in a row where Kansas City has not covered the number, but they did enough to get the win that they care about most. They beat the Dolphins in Miami 33-27. You know, Dan, I think it's important, though, that uh, at least I am consistent here because outside of the every single person that works behind the scenes, I feel like I might be the biggest chief supporter that the network has to offer. Shout out to LTA. Absolutely. But this Chiefs team right now, I mean, they've not covered five games in a row. The last time they covered was against the Jets, right? So they are not playing incredible football. Now you look at the games, right? Ultimately against the Raiders, tough division matchup. There was a lot of intensity going into that. And Oakland, or excuse me, Vegas played their best game of the season. The Bucs backdoored them. The Denver game, I told you, I felt like they kicked field goals because they knew that that would be enough to get past the Broncos. And against Miami, they were down 10 nothing, and then found themselves up 30-10. to and, and it was a backdoor cover by the Dolphins kicking a late field goal. I get all of that. But I think next week for the Chiefs, when they're going to travel to New Orleans, it is a big – and not to kind of get ahead of ourselves here, but you look at the Chiefs. They win this game. They put up 33 points. They returned a pump for a touchdown. Pat Mahomes throws more picks than touchdowns. We never see that from him. I'm looking for a game here where the Chiefs do control it and finish it in a way that I feel like they've now not done – in a long time. There's still nothing that's happened where I won't be picking this team each and every single week to, you know, get the job done and when we get into the postseason. But I don't think they are playing an unbeatable brand of football. No, that's fair. But at the same time, I also think that's the difference between kind of uh covering numbers, ATS like that, uh part of their resume, right? Because you just reeled off three games, Kev, right? Like at Vegas. Vegas Mm -hmm. is a playoff caliber team at Tampa. Tampa is a playoff caliber team at Miami. Miami is a playoff caliber team, right? And they won all three of those games. And we're almost saying like, oh, they didn't cover or they didn't look impressive enough to do it. They ain't ever going to have to go on the road to beat a playoff caliber team to get to the Super Bowl, right? So, yes, I get what you're saying. Maybe they don't look Uh, you know, amazing vintage Kansas City. But at the same time, the games you're even pointing to for that rationale, they are going on the road and beating other teams that are above 500, you know? So, like, if they had playoff games like this against this caliber team and they win by eight points, six points around the touchdown, I think Andy Reid will be just fine with it. And to be fair, the lines are ridiculous. I mean, this seven-point spread to Miami 
was preposterous. I mean, Miami was an eight and four football team at home playing solid with a, with a respected defense yeah. plus seven in Miami. I mean, so the idea that they would be laying almost two touchdowns if they hosted an eight and four Dolphins team at home ridiculous. Right. And that's the same number that we had when they went to Vegas and they were laying over a key number in Tampa Bay. So that's part of the reason that they're not covering numbers because the numbers are too, too far gone. And like I said, I that's agree. Right. With you. I think these are still solid enough results, right? But I, I think for the Kansas City Chiefs, it's you just want to be careful when you look at a team and you go, it's okay, they're just in results mode. Everything is just about, you know, getting a win. And that's what it ultimately is. It's not like Andy Reid is out there. To, if if the Chiefs' job was to cover a number, right? If they just put the best ATS teams right. in the playoffs, they would approach these games differently. That's not what they do, right? right? So okay. I just, I do think, though, I would love to see this team, and even if it's against a lower-level team, like what they did against the Jets, I was all about it because I understand it was the Jets, but they went out there and they were throwing a zillion touchdowns and it looked fantastic. Yeah. I, ju- I just think a game like that, it would be solid enough to see, but ultimately... There, like you said, there's nothing that has happened in any of these games where I've pressed a panic button or said, oh, I think this team's going to be had. And if anything, Kev, it's a testament to how great the Chiefs are or what we expect from them, right? Yeah. Where three road wins against like eight or nine win teams and we want more. We're not satisfied yeah. yet. That's enough to win in the playoffs. So we'll see. Mahomes is still doing his thing. We got more games to cover when we come back on the other side right here. I'm really lying. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. Big shout-out to all of our affiliates for getting up on the grid bright and early with us. That's what we do here on the early line. The spitting statistician in the candle burner, looking back at what we saw in week 14 so far. And you're right. These things are starting to get real tight. This was a game that when we previewed the schedules, Kev, we saw as almost like a de facto, not a full elimination game because it's week 14 instead of week 16, but this will be big time in the AFC playoff race. And it is the Indianapolis Colts who get the leg up because of their win over the Vegas Raiders 44 to 27. I gotta tell you something. I think good old Jonathan Taylor maybe heard you about a month ago, Kev, when you said he was garbage. <laughs> 20 carries, 150 yards, and two touchdowns. I gotta tell you something also, Kev. You know the Colt that I have been on all season long. It's Naheem Hines. He also gets 58 yards on the ground and four receptions doing it all for the those Indianapolis Colts. I mean, listen, T.Y. Hilton, two touchdowns. You know, I mean, I almost, I continue to submit this to you, Kev. I believe that these guys are becoming a low-grade fantasy herd. They're not Kansas City, right? But Jonathan Taylor, one week. Naheem Hines, T.Y. Hilton. You like Michael Pittman. We see mm-hmm. what they do with the tight ends as well. Part of the fantasy herd here, Kev, is you need that shepherd. 
And Phillip Rivers is a veteran enough quarterback to know where the matchups are, whether it's T.Y. based on coverage, whether it's Naheem Hines out of the backfield, whether it's they're trying to cover them all and I turn and hand it to Jonathan Taylor. You need that trigger man for the herd that knows how to leverage the fact that you're going to have mismatches somewhere across that. And Phillip Rivers, despite that foot injury, has been good lately. They are now in the catbird seat for one of these AFC playoff spots. Yeah, they absolutely are, uh, as I told you a while ago. You let me know when they're a herd. You will get no pushback from me. You coined the phrase. That's your distinction to make. As far as Jonathan Taylor goes, I threw this guy in my big fan duel lineup because, you know what? Mm. I'm not going to be stubborn about this. I saw what the Colts were doing. They came out of a bye week, and they pretty much benched their rookie running back that they took in the second round. And it was true for a while. He was playing awful football, and they were going with Wilkins and Hines. But over time, they worked Jonathan Taylor back in, and he became the lead sure man. Did. And up against this pushover Vegas run defense, he had a phenomenal game. 20 carries, a buck 50, and two touchdowns. Only King Henry with a better week. Phillip Rivers was pretty solid. He honestly was just in cruise control at the half. He had 210 passing yards and two touchdowns in that first half. So he barely did anything in the second half, and it was enough to win. They had a defensive touchdown to put the icing on the cake and really extend yeah. this lead. Credit to the Colts. I love what I'm seeing from Indy. But Vegas, Dane, this, yeah. what Vegas has let happen now over these three weeks, that letdown yep. spot after competing with Kansas City against Atlanta, mm-hmm. it's something that you can see because it's something that, again, much lower scale, but I, I've seen an exact thing play out like that back when I was playing high school football. That game against the Jets. It was the Jets competing for their lives. Again, Vegas traveling to the East Coast. You get the result. All you needed, you get out of the result, no problem. You needed a win, and you go into that indie game with an opportunity to host. Right. And for this game to end 44-27, and Vegas yeah. put up a garbage time, meaningless touchdown to even make it right. that respectable. That's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that this team is allowed this year to possibly end this way. I mean, they're not out of it, okay? They host the Chargers, host the Dolphins, and then they go to Denver. I mean, they are very likely favored, Dane, in their final three games. If they were hold to those results, they'd get to 10-6. and They'd have a real shot at getting into the playoffs. No two ways about it. But this would be two seasons in a row where we're going to look back on it Vegas might be the first team out in the AFC. And that's when I think if you're Gruden and the Raiders front office, you have to ask yourself, all right, where is this going wrong? Do we not have enough defensive talent? Can Derek Carr not win the big one? Is it something wrong with my coaching staff? Is it something wrong if I'm John Gruden? Am I doing something wrong? This is a look in the mirror kind of performance here from Vegas because they very well could have blown their opportunity at being in the AFC playoffs and it was on their yeah. home turf. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. You know, you mentioned that three-game stretch where they even got the last-second win against the Jets. Going into that three-game stretch, we were talking about Derek Carr and, like, only turning the ball over four times all season, remember? He was one of the top-rated quarterbacks in Atlanta. He turned the ball over a ton, right? We all know they got lucky against the Jets in a way that everyone can get lucky against the Jets. He threw another two picks yesterday, Kev. You yeah. know what I mean? So part of this, to me, is Derek Carr – 
you know, when he is a game manager and can, you know, take care of the ball, they even have enough to go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs. When they turn the ball over, look at what can happen. But I digress. Another game in the NFC that had hopeful playoff contenders was Minnesota going to Tampa Bay to take on the Bucs. A lot of people were interested to see what the Bucs would look like after their late Week 13 bye. They get the job done 26-14. to 14. Two touchdowns from Brady. Rojo, without Leonard Fournette, goes for 80 yards and a touchdown. I got to tell you something, though, Kev. I know you're not impressed. I know it doesn't matter because of, you know, the challenge that lays before the Bucks. And everybody was worried about Tom Brady, Bruce Arians, Mike Evans, and that side of the ball. I was impressed, if anything, by what I saw with the pass rush of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm. They get to uh, Kirk Cousins six times kev six sacks of the minnesota vikings quarterback i do think that is a piece remember this defense remember everybody in october was like todd bowles and you know jpp shaq barrett and dominican sue being able to do things that's another thing that needs to return if the same if the uh, bucks want to be competitive amongst the nfc playoff teams and six sacks that's a good start and something i'm encouraged by even though i know kev Mm -hmm. that you know the schedule kind of smiles upon them moving forward yeah and at the end of the day dane it's not like i will not watch bucks games right right? where i'm like ah it doesn't matter what happens or right like we're gonna we're gonna roll through and we're gonna see how they look and they win this game at home by 12 they were down at first and the big story in a game you know tom brady cousins is always someone who can take headlines dalvin cooks had a big year justin jefferson you know possibly going to make a surge for offensive rookie of the year you got mike evans antonio brown who's the story of this game dan bailey is the story of this game i mean that is unreal i'll tell you this i would say kickers across the nfl like they missed something like 10 11 kicks yesterday Listen, this is this is this is the extra only correct points. take. Okay, they need to move the extra point back to the to the two yard line. That's the only correct take to have. This is a waste of our time. It is it is a disadvantage to the better. We need to move it back. Every person that complained that extra points were too easy, this is your fault. Yeah. I hope you are happy. Are with the, the key results. numbers even still seven and three? Anyway no. These days? And and hmm. but but guess what? The book still gets to post them that way. We prefer to bet overs. So when I bet over a first quarter team total six and a half and only get six points because someone misses an extra point and the book assumed the extra point, I assumed the extra point, and I laid minus 180 with the New England Patriots last season against the Washington footballs for Goskowski to push it wide left. Do you think I still have nightmares over that bet, Dane? Sounds like I do. Maybe. Because I do. Maybe. I'll tell you that. I still have those nightmares. The thing about the Dan Bailey situation is I want to make this point because I think sometimes people who are not involved in the fantasy community look down on the fantasy community, right? You know, people are like, oh, what are you building, a fantasy team? You know, someone right, might right, have made right. some comment like that when you were ranking quarterbacks, even though you were accurately ranking those quarterbacks. Do you know who knew that Dan Bailey was an absolute disaster? The fantasy community. Because I'm someone who had rostered <laughs> Dan Bailey last week and watched him push balls all over the goalpost except in between it. Now, yeah. 0 for 3 on field goals and 0 for 1 on extra points was outrageous. Well, he's usually in a dome, Kev. He's usually in a dome, remember? But what? Yeah, <laughs> last second it didn't help him. I, I mean, I just like, what a horrendous performance you. from him. Left a zillion points out there. Partially Mike Zimmer's fault, though. I, there, they're like, there was many points where he should have not been sending him out there. 
it is what it is. I think that what was so interesting about this game, though, if you would have told me that Dalvin Cook runs for a 102, and as a team, they rush for 162 yards, I would be and they only scored 26 points, I would be very concerned about how Tampa Bay finished that game off. I thought they were going to get into the 40s because they like to run it up when they can, and Minnesota has a terrible defense. But they held both Justin Jefferson and Thielen to below 40 yards receiving, and I thought it was a solid defensive performance getting after the quarterback. I thought the offensive performance was one where I felt like they did enough, and they didn't seem interested in really running it up. I didn't think Brady was super mm-hmm. sharp. He missed Chris Godwin over the middle for what probably would have been the a 70-yard to uh, Scotty Miller, but yep. that's about it, right? And it was a nice throw, and they ultimately yeah. took three points on the one-yard line with no time remaining instead of trying a rushing touchdown, which could have added some points to their total. All in all, it was a performance from Tampa Bay that was good enough, but not one that changes my tune. Now, that's fair enough. We also saw Shady McCoy come out of mothballs in this one, which was interesting. No Leonard Fournette. Fournette thing is wild. Go ahead. No, I mean, the fact that they – for Leonard Fournette was a healthy scratch. A healthy scratch. So they could get get LaShawn McCoy. Get Shady some burn. that was yeah. that was surprising, and Shady was out there looking good. I'll tell you, you as as an Eagles guy, I will always be a fan yeah, yeah, yeah. of Sean McCoy. I cannot no believe that that man is allowed to run like that with the football. I cannot believe they let oh, him do that. Carrying it like a I loaf mean, of bread out there, I mean, it's ridiculous. Like it's a gimmick. It it's like, yeah, hey, I'm trying to get this over, <laughs> and he's holding the like. What are you doing? But he it gets is, the job it done. Is. It is interesting, and listen, when you have those veteran guys like Fournette and McCoy, maybe they're just managing reps so that one of them is fresh for a January tilt that now they expect to be in when we come back. Listen, the Minnesota Vikings lost, leaving an opportunity for multiple teams in the NFC. We'll talk about those teams and how they stack up when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line. Thank you for getting back up onto the grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And, Kev, honestly, you know, what we saw there in that Minnesota-Tampa Bay game, right, Tampa solidifies themselves as a wild card contender. And with other games that we're talking about later, you know, maybe the division is still even possible. We'll talk about that later. But Minnesota, with the loss, leaves the door open for a bunch of other NFC teams. So let's talk about them. One of them is the Arizona Cardinals, who went to MetLife to take on the Giants. Kev, did you know at one point, both starting quarterbacks in this game led their teams in rushing, Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones, and that was not the case for a few reasons, right? For Kyler Murray, he was still a little bit banged up, they think, although he looked a little bit more right, shall we say, running for 47 yards, throwing for a touchdown, hitting D-hop nine times for 136 yards. The Cardinals get this job done 26-7 to to assume the seventh overall playoff spot in the NFC, and all also in this one, the Giants, you know, Danny Dimes hit the bench. It was part benching because it wasn't his day. It was part like why run him out there if it was obvious he was not still 100% from that hamstring. And the Giants are no longer in first place in the NFC East. The Cardinals are now in playoff position. What were your biggest takeaways from this game? I think 
as far as the Arizona Cardinals go, they have to be really happy with that defensive performance. Giants yeah. or not, eight sacks as a team, couple of turnovers forced, holding them only to seven points on the road. No matter who you're playing in the NFL, unless it's Nate Hinton, I'm going to give you a ton of credit for that, right? So that's a nice job from them on the defensive side of the football. Also offensively, last week it was kind of clouded because they lost the game, but they did put up 28 against that Rams defense. You felt like the offense starting to maybe turn a corner a little bit, get right. Kyler Murray rushes for 47 yards. That is step one. Hopkins, Nine for 136. Like That's what you're looking for from DeAndre Hopkins. Kenyon Drake, since he's come back, has been yeah, really man. good for this team as well. 23 carries, 80 yards, and a touchdown. I thought it was all in all a pretty complete performance from the Arizona Cardinals. I, I think they should be really, really happy with themselves. Next week, they're going to play host to the Philadelphia Eagles, and they're going to look to keep their winning ways afloat as they've now taken control back of that seventh spot. As far as the Giants go... Yeah, should count their lucky stars last week that they ran up against the Seahawks team that was playing a stupid brand of football and allowed them to ultimately get the job done. Again, a credit to the Giants. They won that game. There's no quarterback controversy here. Colt McCoy or Daniel Jones, none of that going on. But as far as the Giants go, that's an awful performance. I mean, you enter this week in first place in the division, and you put up seven at home and get absolutely routed. Barely crack 150 yards as an offense. And there's a reason why I've been, you know, there was a point when I said, oh, Giants weren't going to win another game. I mean, they had the upset of the season, okay, as 10.5-point road dogs. They had the upset of the season last week, and that changes the tune a bit. But that is the type of performance where, I mean, the Giants last week were a squad where people were like, listen, this team's going to get in. They're going to win a playoff game, right? How much now, you know, because Danny Dimes looked like he wasn't 100%, though. You know, you said they got sacked a bunch of times. He didn't look, sure. look good. How much of that? between zero and a hundred. Could you attribute that to him not being a hundred percent? Cause I got to tell you, they see Cleveland next week. And if he ain't a hundred percent, miles Garrett is going to be all over his ass too. Well, this is the, this is why it's a tough thing to dissect because they won last week with Colt McCoy at quarterback. And I think the right. thought process would be Daniel Jones at 75% is better than Colt McCoy at a hundred percent. Is that not true? Cause if that's not true, you I don't know if you have a franchise quarterback, right? If 75% of my franchise quarterback is not better than Colt McCoy, I've got issues. And like I said, Colt McCoy was not great last week. Wayne Gallman popped off a huge run. They made some plays on the defensive side of the football that they just did not make in this game. At the end of the day, they did not play, they did not play well in this game, the New York Giants. But they are now a game back off Washington. And remember how these tiebreakers work. They only need to they keep the, the same record with them. That's right. But the Giants' schedule is very, very difficult to close this season. They see Dallas in Week 17. They will not be favored before. You mentioned it's Cleveland and then it's Baltimore. Okay. Hmm. It, it might be a little demoralizing for this team. If they get punched around for three straight weeks, you can, like you cannot stress how big that result was for them against Seattle. You can't stress hmm. how important that was for their playoff hopes. So, I got to tell you the truth. I cannot stress how big the result for another team was last week. You talk about the Giants and that result. What about the result the Washington football team had last week beating the previously undefeated Steelers, right? And then you just talked about being proud or being happy as a Cardinals fan about their defensive performance. Talk to me about the football team and their defensive performance. Two defensive touchdowns. 
four sacks and number two overall pick chase young looking like a man among boys and this is now multiple weeks kev all right i'd be happy with this defense going to war i don't care who my quarterback is and i mentioned that because we don't know who the washington quarterback is alex smith unfortunately left that game with a calf injury a calf on the leg that as you know he had surgically repaired dozens of times almost lost and so a lot of people were concerned he did not come back in the game Dwayne Haskins is now the quarterback for the uh leaders of the NFC East and I gotta tell you something Kev their schedule easier than the Giants on the way in it is it is the game against Carolina is the circle game where they have an opportunity to create separation depending on how they they get to seven Yes, and, be very and tough for anybody else to get to seven in this in this division. That would that would eliminate the Cowboys. By the way, just so ever if they get to seven, it eliminates the Cowboys. Here's sure. the thing with Washington, Dane: two defensive touchdowns. That is incredible. Yeah, that is that is not a way to live, though, right? What we the reason, why were we a little bit lower on Miami? Eventually, you're not you're not going to score a defensive touchdown every week. <sighs> That's they fair. won this, this game, team is second in the league in sacks. That they're front a, line is a ton of first-round picks, a, and Chase Young is defense. ascending. A great defense. Okay. A great defense. Okay. I'm not saying that, so. While right? they can't score two touchdowns every week, I'll give you that they right. can make their opponent look less than on a regular basis. No, what, right? But their offense is not good. At the end of the day, Fair. Alex Smith <laughs> left this game eight of nineteen for fifty-seven sure. yards. As a team, sure. they averaged three. They sure. averaged less than three and a half yards per play. So that's my thing. With what, like, I'm not trying to take away from what they did on the defensive side of the football. And that's at fair. the end of the day, what have the one thing is we always, you know, we kind of go back and forth. Context, results, ba ba ba. Yeah, at the yeah. end of the day, when the NFC East a long time ago just became about results. Who the heck cares about the context? The context matters when we're breaking down right. whoever wins the division, if they can actually do something. Two in the, in the three seed, right, right, right? Right. Like that's when we start worrying about that. And I'll admit this right now, as an Eagles fan, it's demoralizing that this team has found a way to win these two games in a row. Sure. As the Eagles had what it was an incredible performance for them this past week that we will eventually talk about. As but my thing with Washington is. I think you're going to see that, you know, it's it's funny. You want to try and be consistent. I think this defense is going to get people very excited for them going into the postseason. And that's understandable. But that offense, right? Like next week they play Seattle, okay? That yep. very well could be a preview of a first-round matchup. And if the Seahawks sure. come correct, it should be, be a blowout. It should be a blowout. But to be fair, Seattle is supposed to blow out the Giants. So that'll be a really, really fun matchup. But a credit to Washington. That defense is balling. Chase Young is going to – I love when rookies can do this. He enters the league and immediately is one of the best edge rushers in football. Not like, oh, he's one of the best rookies. No, no, no. One of the best edge rushers in football. Incredible. Continuing a string of like the last three pass rushers from Ohio State that get drafted very high, pretty much doing the same thing, right? The other two had the name Boza as their surname. And you you mentioned that, and I, I did want to bring this up, Kev. Home for Seattle, home for Carolina, 
And then mm-hmm. at the Philadelphia Eagles, we don't know who's going to be quarterback for the Eagles, but I know that Chase Young will put pressure on whoever that man is. The Washington oh, football we know who's team, be quarterback, don't yeah. look now, but they got an inside track to a playoff matchup. We'll keep looking at week 14 when we come back here on the early line. There are some other games of emerging teams that are still in the mix in the NFC. We'll talk about it after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line where we're looking back at week 14. And, Kev, you know, I mentioned that with Minnesota losing, the Giants losing, that the the bottom of the NFC playoff picture is starting to shift. And there's a team, Kev, that went to a different quarterback who gave them more mobility, and they got a win to hang on by the skin of their teeth. No, not your Philadelphia Eagles, Kev. I'm talking about the (laughs) Chicago Bears. I'm talking about the Chicago Bears, who now with Mitchell Trubisky under center get a win at home to remain in the NFC playoff race. They've got six wins, and that's all it takes. They got a big 80-yard touchdown run early in this game out of Montgomery. Trubisky throws Three touchdown passes, Kev. Maybe he's got that big energy right now. And, you know, Mitchell Trubisky has a lot to play for. His job Mm -hmm. security. Matt Nagy has a lot on the line with these Bears at the last half of the season. His job security, right? You know the way I feel about the Bears. And just like when you say about the Bucs, it's not going to change your opinion. This does not really change my opinion either. But what do you take from the Bears? They now do have six wins on the season. And the last playoff team has seven so hey they're still there hmm. uh, for first of all for me i am furious uh that this game did not go over uh it was probably my favorite bet of the week and for there to be 37 points at the half and chicago to put up 36 to need next to nothing from deshaun watson and it to not go over was frustrating ultimately it, it is what it is but i said this to you on friday i said it's a safe place we're here amongst the family so I can say it. Going to Nick Foles was a mistake. <laughs> it just was. Love Nick. Love Nick. You know, he's going to be an all-timer in Philly because of what happened in that Super Bowl. Mr. Bisky's been better. And it's so damning for Chicago because he's now yeah. playing in a way that they're actually going to have a conversation in that room about whether they should keep him around next year, which is insane. And now you're mentioning, hey, can Matt Nagy stick around? Like, they're going to end up getting tricked into running it back and it being disastrous. I mean, remember, like, the Falcons played well in the last month last year to save Quinn's job? Yeah, I could see the same thing here in Chicago, but I don't know if that's the right thing for the franchise. But I digress. They got to win. They stay alive. We got more games to look back on in hour number two after this. 